0: everybody. It's Friday. Today we're going to talk about mercy again. Uh, It's so important. God is laying it on my heart to to just speak of mercy. Uh, This is something that the world really needs, is the mercy of God and to have an understanding of the mercy of God. So um, firstly, any dictionary would call uh, the mercy of God, mercy is defined as compassion or forgiveness. And um, that shows you the heart, is the love of Christ, is the motive. But the, the action is, is the forgiveness. So forgiveness is such a powerful thing. Forgiveness is the very character of God. When the Lord revealed His name to Moses in the, in the desert... In Exodus chapter 34, he said, The Lord, the Lord, merciful, okay, is uh, slow to anger, rich in love. So uh, God is merciful, He's kind, He wants us to experience His mercy. All right. So, um, right, I want to start by our speaking So let's go to James chapter 3. Good morning. Let me just greet everyone. Hello, Trish. It's good to see you there. And hello, Janine. And hello, Dini. It's good to see all of you there. Uh, let's see who else is going to log on. Hello, Ma. Like om sin. Okay. So I think that's everyone logged on right now. It's good to see everybody. It's a nice, cool Friday morning. Okay. All right, before we go to the speaking, I want to just go to James chapter 2 says, for to him who has shown no mercy, the judgment will be merciless. But mercy, full of glad confidence, Exalts victoriously over judgment. Mercy exalts victoriously over judgment. Okay. He shall have judgment without mercy that hath shown no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Okay. So the mercy... That God shows. He said to uh, Moses, I will be merciful to whom I will be merciful. So judgment is revealed and mercy is revealed. Now when we receive the grace of God, we receive the mercy, we receive the forgiveness that Jesus Christ brought at the cross. That mercy triumphs over judgment. The forgiveness overrides and trumps anything that any accusation and judgment can throw against us. Okay, so the ministry of mercy is a greater ministry than the ministration of judgment. Okay, so I want to just jump back again to 2 Corinthians 3 that we read yesterday. Mercy exalts victoriously <laughs> over judgment. Okay, so in 2 Corinthians Chapter 3 says that the ministration or the dispensation of death engraved in letters on stone, the ministration of the law was inaugurated with such glory and splendor that the Israelites were not able to look steadily at the face of Moses because of its brilliance. So the ministry of judgment came with glory. But now he says, why should not the ministration of the, the dispensation of the Spirit, the spiritual ministry, who, whose task it is to cause men to obtain and be governed by the Holy Spirit, be attended with much greater and more splendid glory? So, even the glory of mercy is greater than the glory of the ministration of judgment. All right, so mercy is God's way of dealing with sin people think judgment is god's way of dealing with sin judgment is god's way of taking sin out of the way so that he could deal with the person with mercy by mercy so I, as we've said so many times and i want to i want to underline this again that the law came from God for a purpose, to condemn sin. And God sent His own Son in human flesh to be the Lamb that was slaughtered for the sin of the world, so that all the sin would come upon Him, and so that He would die without mercy. So that He would die without anyone cutting Him any slack, without any grace, without any forgiveness, he was judged and condemned for the sin of everyone else so that God could be fully merciful to whomever would receive it, to whoever would uh, take it, would believe on his son. So the son took back his life again. He said in John 10, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Okay, so in that, that whole act of sub- submitting himself to the ministration of condemnation and death, submitting himself to the wrath to be expressed upon him, his body, for the rest of the world. That is an act of mercy, because he knew that by doing that, he would completely remove the power of death. He would completely destroy. All of the ministration and the ministration of judgment forever. Okay. So the merciful one came, subjected himself to wrath, and died a merciless death. And he took back his life again so that he could freely be merciful to whomever he would be merciful. So who are the the group? that God is merciful to. And God is merciful to those who would believe, to those who would receive his Son, to those who would come out into the light, to those who would approach God with confidence, to those who put their trust in him, knowing that the sacrifice that he brought of himself was enough. Okay, so, uh, so even the law with its judgment has an overshadowing message of mercy when we see that the law is fulfilled in the cross of Jesus Christ. Okay, so the law will judge mercilessly to those who do not believe in the Son. But to those who believe in the Son, mercy triumphs over judgment. So the question is, Are we receiving the sacrifice of the Son, or are we standing, rejecting the Son, standing under a ministration of a merciless judgment? Okay? So, um, faith in Him causes the mercy to come. Okay, and that's why I keep on repeating, I keep on saying it, Matthew chapter 9, we can read it. Um, Jesus would always rebuke those who would, Point a finger. Those, you know, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those who would um, dare to bring an accusation against someone. Uh, Jesus would rebuke them, but he would justify the sinner. Okay, so I just want to read this again because I just love it and it's on my heart right now. So it says... um, Verse 12, Matthew chapter 9. But when Jesus heard it, he replied, Those who are strong and well have no need of a physician, but those who are weak and sick. So, especially if you're really struggling with something and you are unable to get yourself out of it, his mercy is what will get you out of it. Okay, you are in need of a physician, you are in need of someone that can help you, you're in need of a savior, and Jesus is the savior. Verses 13, Jesus speaking to those ministering under the ministration of death and condemnation. No mercy. This is what he's saying to them. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. That is readiness to help those in trouble. And not sacrifice and sacrificial victims. For I came not to call and invite to repentance the righteous, those who are in upright upright and in right standing with God, but sinners, the erring ones, and all those not free from sin. Okay. He came to call, to invite to repentance. Uh, the righteous, those who are upright and right standing, with, but sinners. Okay, He came to invite the sinners. He came to invite the erring ones uh, and all those not free from sin. And if we are brutally honest, no one was just free from sin before Jesus came. But there were those that thought that they were doing okay under the law. And they that can only have... One of two fruits. It's either self-righteousness or it's accusation or self-condemnation. So it's the accusing thing or it's the you justify yourself thing. That's the, Martinus calls it the ugly twin sisters. Okay. So uh, Jesus said, I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want all the stuff that you do in the temple. I'm not interested in your goats and bulls. I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is mercy. So I want you to receive mercy, and I want you to minister mercy. Okay? I want you to leave the ministration of judgment and condemnation and death, and I want you to receive the mercy and to be merciful. Okay? This is who God is. He is merciful. All right, Matthew chapter 12. He says in verse 6, I tell you something greater, more exalted, more majestic than the temple is here. Everyone wants to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. There's something greater. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are greater than the temple. You're a living temple. God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. He dwells in temples that he made with his own hands, which is you. Okay? And if you had only known what this saying means, I desire mercy, readiness to help, to spare, to forgive, rather than sacrifice and superficial victims, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Okay. All right, so when people harbor judgment and malice in their hearts, when people <clears throat> speak against the forgiveness of sins, God calls it evil. When people think they are doing the righteous and just thing by pointing a finger, God calls that evil. So there's two examples that I can show you. The one is in, I first want to go to the second one. In, where is it? No, it's also in Matthew. Chapter 9. Just listen to this. He says, Behold, they brought to him a man paralyzed and prostrated by illness, laying on a sleeping pad. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven, and the penalty remitted. Now, he's in the presence of people who take the law. They're under the ministration of judgment and condemnation. They use the law to bring judgment. So what Jesus is now, in effect, saying is he's cancelling their ministry. <laughs> he's cancelling their words. He's, he's going against what they are ministering to this person. Okay. So if someone uh, was in the law, I mean, the Pharisees, scribes, Sadducees would judge them, condemn them, and use the laws as a means to control and manipulate them. Okay. So... They use the law to get money out of them. They use the law to get them to bring sacrifices, to get them to do this, to control everything. Okay, But yes, Jesus taking away all the power that they have over the people. And he just says, take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven and the penalty remitted. Now, <clears throat> this is the reaction of people who don't, who don't want mercy, who don't understand mercy. Behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man blasphemes. He claims the rights and prerogatives of God. So if you hear someone saying boldly that Jesus Christ has forgiven your sin, you are completely forgiven, he is not holding anything against you, and it causes you to think that sentence is blasphemy, uh, this is who you are associating with. Okay, but but if you are the one saying those words, don't be surprised (laughs) if some people stand up and say, You blaspheme, you claim the rights prerogatives of God. Verse four. But Jesus, knowing and seeing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil and harbour malice? In your hearts. So, what did they harbor in their hearts? I mean, they harbored the holy law of Moses in their hearts. Their hearts were full of Moses. I mean, you could ask them any line, any sentence, any precept, and they would be able to quote it. Their hearts full of the law of Moses. So they are just thinking on the law of Moses and then just doing what the law of Moses says. And the law of Moses says, if such people should be stoned, or those people should be condemned, or this person should be—I don't know—killed in this way and killed in that way. <laughs> so it's condemnation. Man, it must be good because it's Moses. Okay. So even in in um, John eight, they say we are followers of Moses. You know, where we, so where do you come from with all your things? He says, if you knew, uh, if you believed Moses, you would have received me. Okay. And um, uh, he said, Moses wrote about me, John chapter 5. If you believed Moses, you would have believed me. But they don't believe everything. They take what they nitpick. They take everything that they can use to manipulate people and say, look how righteous we are. Look how good we are. You will be under our control. We, We minister to you the ministration of condemnation and death. So what good does that do? I mean, so now people are afraid of people. So it's not a fear of God. It's not serving God. It's serving people that uses God's law as a tool to manipulate and control people. Okay. So people said, how can you say someone is forgiven? You can't just say that. People say the same thing today. But Jesus Knowing their thoughts, why do you think evil, uh, evil and harbor malice in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven and the penalty remitted, or to say, get up and walk. Okay, so for someone under the ministration of the law, it is not easy to say, get up and walk. Because they don't believe it. And if they say it, no one will get up and walk. So they will look like, you know, a fool. Uh, It is very difficult also for for someone to say, your sins are forgiven. Because they don't believe it. So they won't believe that this person's sins are forgiven. All right? So, but for Christ, the Son, for Christ, the Son, Lamb of God, the merciful one that came himself to take the sin of the world upon himself. For him who actually bore the brunt of all the punishment. He, for him, it is very easy to say. Your sins are forgiven. Take up your bed and walk. Okay? It's a different ministry. It's a different anointing. It's a different spirit. So God shows himself clearly. This is who he is. He is a merciful God. And mercy triumphs over judgment. The judgment was revealed in the law first. And then the mercy of God was revealed on the cross. So the judgment was revealed when the law was given. And the mercy was revealed. So The judgment of the law was expressed on Jesus. But that act of taking the judgment upon himself was an act of mercy. And that mercy triumphed over judgment. It ended all the sacrifices. It fulfilled the covenant. It ended everything that was written about him in the volume of the book. By him bringing his body as a living sacrifice. So God doesn't want your sacrifices. He brought his own. What God wants is for you to receive this mercy. And for you to be merciful to someone else. To tell them about the merciful sacrifice that he brought of himself. Okay. So God says, when people say it is um, wrong to forgive... You go you know you may you can maybe forgive, but you can never forget, or that kind of thing, you know or or you you know people are holding grudges or all that. God says, "Hey, that's evil thoughts, <laughs> that's evil thoughts. Um, in John chapter eight, there was this woman caught in the very act of adultery now that's <laughs> that's the big one in the in the in the eyes of people, okay caught in the act of adultery she's so bad but if you read the letters that Paul wrote to the churches he would say the doings of the flesh you know Galatians chapter 5 are clear and they are immorality indecency and enmity and strife and you know all those things anger backbiting uh, what else is on the list so, immorality is one thing. In the same sentence, there's anger. In the same sentence, there's gossiping and backbiting. But that's quickly justified. But the immorality is lifted out. Okay? Same sentence. Okay? But now, Ian in John 8, here is the woman she was caught. I wonder where the man was. And I always thought maybe it's one of them. <laughs> they must have trapped her to get, to get her to to be able to accuse her before Jesus. But now here she is. Jesus was teaching at the treasury, at the temple, in the court. And they throw her in front of Jesus. This woman was caught in the very act of adultery. So now here's the, the ministry of condemnation and death. Bringing a woman, sacrificing a woman to just get a chance to be able to get something against Jesus so that they can kill him. So it's a murderer's heart. The Bible says they they did this so that they can test him and find something against him to kill him, to accuse him. Okay, so here's this woman. Moses in the law commanded, verse 5, that such women offenders shall be stoned to death. Administration of condemnation and death. But what do you say to do with her? What is your sentence? So they just, now say, we've got you. So there's no way out of this. Moses showed us this is a righteous thing. This they said to try to test him, hoping they might find a charge on which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger. However, when they persisted with their question, he raised himself up and said, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he bent down and went on writing on the ground with his finger. Okay, so there's one assumption that people make with the law. When people read the law and they see, okay, these things are condemned, these things are condemned, these things are condemned. People who do these things are condemned. Then for some reason, people quickly assume that they now, because they have this knowledge, have now become the judge. In order to pass sentence on the person who has done that. It is not your role. It is not for you to say who gets what sentence. Because none of us has ever in any scripture been appointed as the judge. Yes, the Bible says we will judge the angels. But that's to come. Alright? So... Nowhere has God appointed people under the law as the judge. But Jesus is the judge. And in John chapter 5, he has been appointed the judge. Okay? The judge over the living and the dead. And the Father judges no one, and he has given the whole business of judging over into the hands of the Son entirely. Okay? So no one gave us authority to enforce the law on others. Okay? So here comes the one who has the authority, the very son himself, the one who is appointed judge. He said, okay, you can throw the stone. The scripture does says it. But if you have no sin, you can throw a stone. <laughs> They listened to him, then they began going out conscience-stricken one by one from the oldest down to the last one of them, till Jesus was left alone with the woman standing there before him in the center of the court. Okay, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, Judge not, lest they be judged. So if you take the law in administration of condemnation, And judge someone, you stand judged yourself, because you are a violator of the very same law. Romans chapter 2, Paul makes it also clear. He says, you who break the law, or you who who take the law to judge another, do you not break the same law? Does the the law that says you shall not steal, does it not also say you shall not kill? The, the, the law that says, you know, you shall not commit adultery, doesn't, doesn't it also say you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain? So there's so many things. I mean, if you take all of it, somewhere you'll break something. So if you take the law to judge another, Jesus, Jesus says that's an evil thought. You, who break the very same law, how can you then take the law and judge another so people were supposed to see in the law we need mercy we need a savior because this thing i can't relate to it because i am not strong enough romans chapter 8 says it he says uh, the god has done what the law could not do its power, the Lord's power, being weakened by the flesh, the entire nature of man without the Holy Spirit. So God came as an offering for sin, condemned sin in the flesh over all who accept that sacrifice. So we need to understand this. Jesus does not point a finger. Okay, So here he is, standing in the temple court, defending a woman caught in the act of adultery. So does Jesus now not care about righteousness? How is he defending this sinful woman against these people who will make as if they never break the covenant? (laughs) They look so good, you know. So when when Jesus was left alone with the woman standing there in the court, in verse 10, Jesus raised himself up. He said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? She answered, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go on your way. And from now on, sin no more. So he spoke a delivering word. He spoke a word over her that comes out of light and life. And that word of light and life set her free from the ministration of sin and death. Okay? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set her free from the law of sin and death. He spoke from the Spirit, and that Spirit word gives freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So one word spoken in mercy has much more power than all the Scriptures of condemnation put together. The condemnation, the Scriptures of condemnation was only there to judge sin on the body of Jesus. But here's the merciful Jesus, and He says, I don't care about your sacrifices. I don't, care. I don't want anything from you. I was sent as a physician to the sick. So if you can realize that you are sick, if you can realize that you're sick, if you are you can that you're in need of salvation, if you can realize that you are in need of forgiveness, the forgiveness is ready, it's there, it's given, it's for you. And then as you forgive, you also receive the benefit of being the one who is now sent by God to forgive the sins of people and set them free from their sins as well. Two scriptures, and then we're done. There's so much that we can say on this. But in Hebrews chapter uh, 10, verse 5, it says, Hence, when Christ entered into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. So we've read that in two scriptures now. But instead you have made ready a body for me to offer. So there's the mercy. is the body for him to offer. So the mercy is Christ coming to absorb all the wrath of the law. He died a merciless death so that he could be merciful to whom he would be merciful. All right. He says, In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no delight, Then I said, Behold, here I am coming to do your will, O God, to fulfill what is written of me in the volume of the book. When he had just said before, You have neither desired nor have taken delight in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, all of which are offered according to the law. He then went on to say, Behold, here I am coming to do your will. Thus he does away with and annuls the first former order, the order of the ministration of condemnation and death as a means of expiating sin so that he might inaugurate and establish the second latter order. In accordance with this will of God, we have been made holy, consecrated, sanctified through the offering made once for all of the body of Jesus Christ. A once for all sacrifice. Once for all <laughs> sacrifice has completely set you free forever. His mercy is new every morning. God is merciful to us because he has already taken all the judgment. The New Testament, the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of mercy and forgiveness is, has now triumphed over the ministry of condemnation. Okay, so uh, oh, there's so much to say about this. I see I'm really far over the time. So in the tabernacle, there was the Ark of the Covenant and there was this box. Inside the box was the testimony, which was the two tablets of stone with the law on it. Okay, and the rod of air and the pot of manna. Okay, so, but then there was on top of it The mercy seat under the shadow of the wings. And God said, above the mercy seat, under the shadow, there I will meet with you intimately. So mercy. That's where the blood sacrifice was also given. Mercy triumphs over judgment that is rendered unseen in uh, the Ark of the Covenant. They were not supposed to open it and look inside. They would die. So you were not supposed to have knowledge of your sin. It will kill you. But you're supposed to have the knowledge of the mercy sacrifice of Jesus. The blood of Jesus uh, that was offered under the shadow of the cherubs on top of the mercy seat. Romans chapter 3, verse around about 24, maybe 25 thereabout, uh, says he became our mercy seat Jesus became our mercy seat and mercy triumphs over judgment all right the last verse I want to read is just again John chapter 20 and I want you to just get this not only does God say you need to forgive those who sin against you etc that's great that's it that's good that's mercy but it goes deeper than that as the Son of God moved on this earth, forgiving the sins of people, we need to move about forgiving the sins of people who have been given a ministry of reconciliation. Preach the blood of Jesus. Reconcile people with God. Proclaim the forgiveness that they have in Christ. Okay, so uh, John chapter 19. Not No? Twenty, yeah. Verse 22, he says, After having said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now having received the Holy Spirit and being led and directed by him, if you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of anyone, they are retained. You have been given a command to go and forgive sins. When we forgive sins, uh, we are in the ministry of mercy. And we cancel the power of the ministration of condemnation and death. Okay, I'm going to sneak another one in here. There's so many others. Isaiah 58 says, verse 8, Then shall your light break forth. Listen, listen, listen. Then shall your light break forth like the morning, and your healing, your restoration, and the power of a new life shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness, your rightness, your justice, and your right relationship with God shall go before you, conducting you to peace and prosperity. And the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer you. You shall cry, and He shall say, Here I am if you take away from your midst yokes of oppression wherever you find them, the finger pointed in scorn toward the oppressed or the godly and every form of false, harsh, unjust and wicked speaking. Okay. God wants the finger pointed in scorn to be taken away from your midst. Every form of false, harsh, unjust speaking. What does he want instead? He wants us to be merciful. And he wants us to forgive sins. Okay? So, in Acts chapter 13 verse 38, he said, Let it be clearly known among you, brethren, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness and removal of sins are now proclaimed to you. And that through him, everyone who believes is is absolved and cleared and freed from every charge from which he could not be justified and freed by the law of Moses and given right standing with God. Uh, So take care, lest it be said of you, of uh, what's written in the prophets. Look, you scoffers and scorners, marvel, vanish, perish away, for I am doing a deed in your days which you will not believe even if it be told you. So be the one forgiving the sins. And don't be the one criticizing saying, hey, you can't say that only God can forgive sins. Be the one forgiving instead of being the one pointing a finger. Be the one ministering forgiveness and reconciliation rather than being the one that points a finger and lifting out the mistakes of people that they're so desperately struggling with. So I declare over your life today the blood of Jesus, the eternal sacrifice of the Lamb. Your sins have been atoned for. There's nothing that you can do to improve on the sacrifice. Simply receive it. Your sins are forgiven. The penalty has been remitted. Stand up, take your bed, and walk. All right? He's merciful, and He's kind, and He's gracious to you. Amen. Amen. All right. All right, so... Who did I miss? Hello, Ismail. It's good to see you there. Janine again. Bless you, Janine. woo And Rob. Rob, it's always good to see you. Louis there from uh, from Brits. Bless you, Louis. It's good to see you there. And uh, there's Trish from Ireland. And there's Lina. It's so good to see all of you again. So bless you. I hope you just have an amazing weekend. We have... Um, uh, obviously, it's now weekend, so we'll only see you again on Sunday morning at 9:30 for the for the Sunday service. But we have uh, next week Sunday. Uh, we have a guest speaker from the Netherlands, from uh, the New Testament Church in Aselstein, in uh, what's the province? But it's in Netherlands. <laughs> um, uh, what's her name? <laughs> <laughs> Wenzel Birkus. <laughs> Sorry, Wenzel. Oh. So Wenzel Birkus is here. Um, I posted the picture there. I met with him this week and we prayed together. And what a man of God. And he's so hungry for revival. He's hungry for God. He's passionate for God. He's passionate for souls. Um, they have operations uh, in in uh, the Netherlands in South Africa and in Malawi they they do missions training they have a mission base in Malawi as well so i think it's going to be awesome so uh, god is really moving in their church uh, especially in prayer especially you know the prayer meetings that's so glorious so uh, we really need that we we need to to really get together and pray so uh, so do not miss this meeting i really believe it's going to be pivotal in in, in revival so uh, next week uh, Sunday the 22nd of August we have Wenzel Bierkes here so it's going to be really awesome so if you can't come watch online but if you can come don't miss it Okay, so bless you everybody we'll see you again on Sunday morning at 9.30 have an awesome day be blessed <laughs>